0: Welcome to the Heartland Free Church Sermon Podcast. We are so happy to have you joining us today. If you are a first-time listener or first-time visitor here at the church, we would love to get connected with you. You can click that link in the podcast summary. That is our online connection card. If you'd just like to learn more about us as a church, you can visit heartlandfree.com or you can download the Heartland app in whatever app store you prefer. Thank you again for joining us. We've got a fantastic message for you this morning, and we will be getting into that right now. God has an uncanny way of showing up when he's least expected. In the late 1700s, spiritual life in America was was at an all-time low. Alcoholism was rampant. The average American in the late 1700s drank almost six gallons of pure alcohol a year. Today, it's less than two gallons a year, okay? Just give you an idea of what was going on then. Church attendance was in the tank. Heresy was rampant. Unitarianism, a denial that Jesus is God, was sweeping the country. In fact, President Thomas Jefferson predicted, quote, that there is not a young man now living in the United States who will not die a Unitarian. All of that changed with the Second Great Awakening in the early 1800s. The Holy Spirit fell on America. The spark that seemed to ignite this revival was the Cane Ridge camp meeting in Kentucky. 20,000 gathered together for a week of gospel preaching. No sound systems. <laughs> From there, revival spread through the large cities on the East Coast. It was then carried by circuit riding preachers into every little town in America. The entire country was changed, even to the place that it was Bible believing Christians that led the movement to abolish slavery. The bottom line God is never left without a witness. After the Second World War, once again, the spiritual climate in America had hit, hit a low point. In 1946, the dean of the Harvard Divinity School claimed that the revivalist tradition in America has been, quote, totally discredited. Three years later, Billy Graham erected a huge tent in Los Angeles, could hold 9,000 people. He preached for eight weeks straight every night to over 350,000 people. Movie stars came to Christ. Gangsters came to Christ. Army veterans that were back from the war like Louis Zamperini of the movie Unbroken came to Christ during that time. And friends, by the time Billy Graham was finished, he had preached to over 210 million people personally shared the gospel also with 11 U.S. presidents. God is never left without a witness. G.K. Chesterton observed that there have been five times since Christ walked the earth that Christianity was threatened with extinction. Time after time, Chesterton noted, the Christian faith has to all appearances gone to the dogs, but each time it was the dog that died. Christianity always bounced back. And so it will be at the very end of the age. Jesus makes us that promise. In fact, one of the signs of Christ's return is that planet Earth will experience the greatest spiritual awakening in history at the worst possible moment in history. God has never left Without a witness. Right now, spiritual life in much of the world is at an all-time low. Church attendance to the U.S. has tanked. Canada, tanked. Australia, it's tanked. Britain, tanked. In most of Europe, it has never been lower. And heretical movements have never been greater. But God loves to surprise us. And you know what? My prayer is that our church family, Heartland Free Church, will be right in the middle of whatever God is doing until the day he takes us home. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus makes an astounding prediction that seems at odds with the rather gloomy nature of the other signs. In this single verse, Jesus reveals four dimensions to the greatest of all the signs of his return massive spiritual revival. Let's look at them one by one. The first dimension of the Greek revival is an authentic message. Verse 14 says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. The Greek word for gospel is euangelion, literally the good news that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, that he rose on the third day triumphant over death the authentic biblical witness will continue to be preached, it will continue to be proclaimed publicly in the marketplace, over the airwaves, on the street corners, as long as human beings inhabit the planet. God will always have a witness. No heresy, however clever and devious it might be, will destroy the true gospel. Isn't that good to know? (laughs) A few years ago, New York Times columnist Russ Douthat wrote a book called Bad Religion, how we became a nation of heretics. Ross is actually a conservative Catholic, but his analysis of heresy is right on. Ross says, America's problem isn't too much religion or too little, it's bad religion. He said, the slow-motion collapse of traditional Christianity and the rise of a variety of destructive pseudo-Christianities in its place. Ross laments the loss of mere Christianity. That's what C.S. Lewis called it. A Christianity that binds the Christian community together that's based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ross has chapters on what he sees as the four great contemporary heresies we face in America today. The first is liberalism. A chapter Ross calls Lost in the Gospels. He's referring here to the apocryphal Gospels. Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Thomas, many others. Those were heresies that were rejected from day one. (laughs) Liberal Christians, you see, they reject the plain literal teaching of God's word in favor of reading into the text whatever they want to read. They're in favor of man's word over God's word. That's how we've gotten the sexual revolution where anything goes. That's how we've gotten the rise of postmodern ideology where all truth is Relative. There's no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. That's liberalism. The second heresy is materialism. The the rise of the prosperity gospel, a chapter that Ross labels pray and grow rich. The prosperity gospel is a heresy that it is always God's will that his people be healthy and wealthy. That is not taught in the scriptures. No one has capitalized on this movement more than Joel Osteen, who wrote Your Best Life Now. The third heresy is pantheism. God is, everything is God. It has been popularly known as the New Age Movement. A chapter Ross calls the God Within. This is a combination of Oprah, And uh, Elizabeth Gilbert and Eckhart Tolle and Marianne Williamson, briefly ran for president last year, the Dalai Lama, it's the force in the Star Wars saga. It's what Kevin Costner found when he went dancing with the wolves. At its core, it's nothing more than narcissism, repackaged and dressed up. The fourth heresy is centered on the rise of Christian nationalism, a, a chapter that Ross calls the city on the hill. This is the one I've struggled with the most as I love politics. And almost, and yet, almost every election I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed by the liberals because they're liberals. I'm disappointed by the conservatives because they never seem to accomplish anything. <laughs> but we have to have somebody there to keep the liberals from spending us into oblivion, right? And yet, a Christianity that is too interwoven in patriotism is always suspect. Ask any German Christian who got swept up by Uber, alles, Deutschland. Over all Germany. Country makes a poor God. You see, each of these heresies are alive and well today. Liberalism, I make my own truth. Materialism, God, money is God. Pantheism, everything is God, including the environment. And nationalism, my country, right or wrong. That's why Jesus warned us. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And only then, Jesus said, all of these things will be added unto you. No wonder the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus demands first place. Always has, always will. After all, The first of the Ten Commandments, do you remember which one it is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You keep that one, you'll keep the other nine. What a joy to know that the authentic message of the gospel will never be lost. For at least 6,000 years, starting in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, Satan has never ceased in his attempts to confuse and corrupt the word of God. Do you know what his first words were? Did God really say? That's what his first words were to Eve. He's been doing that ever since. Don't let him do that to you. Remember what Jesus told Satan in the wilderness, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Don't ever forget that. So the first dimension of the great revival will be an authentic gospel message. The second dimension will be an authentic mission field. Verse 14, Jesus said, and the gospel will be preached in the whole world. This authentic message, the true gospel, will permeate every nation on earth. Jesus assures us here that not only will an authentic message be preserved until the end of the age, but he promised that this authentic message will extend to an authentic mission field every corner of the planet. One of the resources I would encourage every Christian to own, is an updated copy of Operation World. It's a great resource. And if you want up-to-the-minute information, then just go online and Google Operation World. Okay? And uh, you can get the most up-to-date information, what's going on in every country, the Christian movement in every country not only will you get an, uh, be able to brush up on your geography, you will also discover that God is work, at work in all 200-plus nations on earth. You will discover that the nations where Christianity is growing the fastest are in Asia, in Africa, and Latin America, Central South America. Take Iran, for instance. In 1979, at the time of the Islamic Revolution, it is estimated there were about 500 believers in the entire nation. Think about that. 500. Today, that number is well over a million. I have seen estimates up to 7, 8 million uh, believers in the nation of Iran. Today, uh, it's very hard to determine the exact number with accuracy because believers seek to hide their true identity. They're afraid of losing their jobs, afraid of losing their income. You see, the internet and smartphones, which have uh, brought a lot of problems, haven't they? They've also had a huge impact in bringing the gospel to the Muslim nations, You can research Christianity in private. They couldn't do that before. Even more exciting are the number of Muslims that are continuing to report visions and dreams in which Jesus personally visits them. Isn't that exciting? I pray that for my own family members and neighbors, Sue and I get together, we pray for our extended family, nieces and nephews that are not walking with Jesus, and we pray that Jesus will visit them in dreams and visions. If you have prodigals in your family, don't ever give up on them. Continue to lift them up to the Lord. In fact, if you join us on Thursday night prayer, 6.30, right over here in the foyer, we just put a circle of chairs out there, And every week we pray for the prodigals, that God will bring them home. One of the things that our leaders are determined is to leave no one behind at the rapture. We want to bring our prodigals with us. Oh God, minister to their souls. In the Left Behind series, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins portray one more massive spiritual awakening before the rapture happens. Of course, we don't know that for sure if it's going to happen, no because no one knows the day nor the hour when the rapture will happen. Jesus could come in the next 10 minutes. But the Bible says that he is not willing that any should perish. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to condemn the world but to save the world, John 3:17. So when I hear that there are now somewhere around 100 million evangelical Christians in China, somewhere around 50 million Bible-believing Christians in India, could be much more than that, an estimated 55 million in the nation of Brazil where Jeff and Diane served, according to Operation World, when I hear these things, it lights a fire within me. Anything is possible. So as long as your heart beats, as long as your lungs draw breath, there is hope for your soul. Despite a million different heresies that are being unleashed on our planet, God will continue to have a faithful witness to his saving power in every corner of the planet. So I wanna challenge you to pray for the nations. Buy a tool like Operation World. Visit their website. Pray for a different nation every day. Take Australia, for instance. Yes, church attendance has declined in Australia, but there are still some three to four million Bible-believing Christians out of a population of about 25 million. And I thank God for great Australian Christians. Evangelist Ray Comfort is an Australian. Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis is an Australian. Okay, Found the Lord in his native country. Got a passion for the ministry of creation and evolution in his home country. Brought that to the U.S. If you haven't been down to see the ark, in Kentucky, it's great summer vacation. Get down there. It'll impress you. It'll impress your kids. Tennis star, Margaret Court. The first great tennis star is an Australian. She's also been very outspoken in her Christian witness. The ministry of Hillsong. It has spread like wildfire all over the world, originated in Australia. I pray that God keeps our Australian brothers and sisters in Christ faithful to the word of God. What a joy to see God moving in every corner of the planet today. An authentic mission field will continue to the very end of the age. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Now let's move to the third dimension of the coming great revival. An authentic message to an authentic mission field will be brought by authentic messengers. Verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom, that's an authentic message, will be preached to the whole world, that's an authentic mission field, as a testimony. To all nations, there will be authentic messengers bringing the gospel to every people group until the end of the age. The Greek word for testimony is martyrion or martous. It's the word we get the English word martyr from. It is also translated as witness. Jesus said, Acts 1 8, you will be my witnesses, you will be my martous. <laughs> to uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Again, this tells us godly missionaries, godly preachers, godly Bible teachers, godly professors, godly witnesses will continue to bring, will continue among every people group until the very end. The Greek word for nations is ethnos. It means ethnic groups, or people groups, or cultures. God is never without a witness. That is illustrated so powerfully with the true story of Jonah. Of all of the ancient empires, none of them was, was as notorious as the Ninevites and the Assyrian Empire. They were legendary for their brutality. They invented ways to torture their enemies. Nevertheless, God sent them a witness. Jonah was a prophet to Israel. Hell, he was a poor prophet, but nevertheless, he was a prophet. Especially when God commanded him to go to Nineveh. (laughs) He was a poor prophet. He headed in the opposite direction. You may remember the story. God had to send a storm. Jonah ends up being tossed out of the ship Swallowed by a whale, after three days of stewing in the gastric juices of the whale, Jonah decides to do it God's way. He decides to obey, and he heads to Nineveh. Meanwhile, God is preparing the heart of the king of Nineveh. You know what God's doing? Historians report that Nineveh experienced two massive plagues, just like we've been COVID, right? COVID is, it makes you think, what's going on, you know? So Nineveh had two massive plagues in 765 BC and 759 BC, and then God sends them a solar eclipse in 763 BC, all before Jonah arrives. So here comes Jonah, uh, probably bleached as white as a ghost. Those gastric juices of the whale would do a number on anybody. And so he comes, he's white as a ghost. The king decides, you know, I better listen to this guy. And surprisingly, he repents. And he puts his trust in the God of Israel. Thousands of Ninevites join him. Now, the revival was short-lived, but stop and think about what a merciful God we have who sent a missionary who is swallowed by a whale, and then he sends two plagues and a solar eclipse to get their attention and to cause them to be receptive to Jonah's message. God is never without a witness even in the palace of the most evil empire on earth. Let me give you another example. Fast forward 2,700 years to the rise of Billy Graham, the extraordinary impact he had on 11 U.S. presidents. One of them was John F. Kennedy. We now know that Kennedy was a serial adulterer, struggled with sexual sin his entire life, Shortly after Kennedy was elected, he met Billy Graham for the first time, and he asked Billy about the second coming of Christ, and he said, you know, our church doesn't teach that. Billy was Catholic. So Billy shared what the Bible teaches, and Kennedy said, I'd like to talk more with you about that at another time. Three years later, they meet again at the 1963 National Prayer Breakfast. After the breakfast, Kennedy invited Billy to come back with him to the White House to talk some more. But Billy was struggling with the flu that day. He was not feeling well. He was running a fever. So Kennedy graciously agreed to wait for another day. But friends, another day never came. That fall, Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. Billy later said, His request haunts me to this day. What was on his mind? Should I have gone with him? It was an irrecoverable moment. I wanna challenge you to think about that today. An irrecoverable moment. Life is like that, isn't it? Some moments are like doors that open briefly And then they close. A fleeting opportunity can be captured or it can be lost forever. May God give us the courage and the wisdom to seize every moment that God gives us. You may be the only witness that God sends. So may he help us to be faithful to seize those moments. Now, this brings us to the fourth dimension of the coming great revival. God will send an authentic message to an authentic mission field brought by authentic messengers during an authentic meltdown. (laughs) It is going to be a meltdown, verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? Then the end will come. The Greek word is telos. It means the end of the age or the end of time or the goal or the end of man's endeavor. You see, our God created time He reigns over time. And as you read the four gospels, you will repeatedly notice that God does everything according to a master timetable. You also notice this repeatedly in the apocryphal books of Daniel and Revelation. Right now, we're awaiting the rapture. When Jesus returns for his church, who will rise to meet him in the clouds, both those who have already died and those who are alive at that moment. Contrary to popular belief, it is not the rapture that begins the seven years of tribulation. It's rather a covenant, a treaty that the Antichrist will sign with Israel. Then the clock begins ticking the Antichrist will commit a sacri- relig- uh, sacrilege, in the temple. He will claim to be God at the midpoint of the tribulation period, and from that point on, Revelation twelve six says twelve hundred and sixty days remain. During those seven years of tribulation, God's wrath will be unleashed upon the earth. There will be three sets of judgments. There will be seven seals, there will be seven trumpet judgments, and seven bowls. Over half of the human population of the world will perish. It will be an authentic meltdown such as the world has never seen. And yet here is what's absolutely amazing. The greatest revival in history occurs in Revelation chapter 7. 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to be preaching the gospel all over the world. And the Bible says a vast multitude, the Bible says that no one could count, will come to Christ during those times. You see, even during the worst days of the great tribulation, God is never left without a witness. And that is amazing, isn't it? What a merciful and gracious God to give mankind opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to place their trust in him and find forgiveness for their sins. I close with this. COVID-19 has left a permanent mark on all of us. It's left a permanent mark on our sidewalk out there because I was trying to get some tape up today (laughs) and didn't do a very good job. So there's still some tape out there. But it has left a permanent mark on all of us. Tourism, the airlines, restaurant industries, they may never be quite the same. But other businesses have racked up big gains like Amazon, video game companies, Clorox, the maker of disinfectant wipes. Peloton, the fitness company that saw revenue grow by 66% in one quarter. Other gainers were grocery store chains, like Public, who who, uh, saw income grow by uh, one billion rather. And Kroger Grocery, who racked up a 30% gain. Zoom video conferencing company. Their stock increased by a staggering 120%. 3M, the maker of masks. (laughs) They had a record year. Do you remember that first week of the shutdown back in March of last year? Hard to believe that almost 15 months have now passed. I felt God say that very first week, This can and will be the finest hour for the church of Jesus Christ. Today, I believe that with all of my heart. In his book, Aftershocks, author Jeff Kinley says COVID has opened three doors for us. The first is the door of biblical discernment. If you are a student of God's word, you know very well that trials are coming as the end times draw near. While the rest of the world wanders around in ignorance and confusion and anxiety, we know what the Bible predicts, don't we? 2 Timothy 3.1 says that there will be terrible times in the last days. Jesus predicted there would be pandemics and epidemics and natural disasters of many kinds. There would be a steep increase as the end draws near. And meanwhile, the rest of the world wanders around in a state of confusion. What is going on? Because biblical literacy is at an all-time low. I saw a recent survey of high school seniors that found more than 50% of those soon to graduate think that Sodom and Gomorrah are husband and wife. 12% of Americans think Joan of Arc is Noah's wife. (laughs) Folks, (laughs) the world doesn't have a clue what's going on. God's people are not in the dark. As never before, we need to be in the Word. And we need to share that hope with everyone around us. Jeff Kinley says the second door open to us is the door of personal awakening. Jesus wants us to be a pure and spotless bride, He wants us to be ready to meet Him when He comes. Today is a day to get yourself ready to meet the Lord and then get everyone you love ready to meet the Lord. It's not a time to mess around with sin. It's a day to forsake sin and prepare to meet God. Third door, door number three, Jeff Kinley says that COVID is open to us, is the door of cultural engagement. God is truly shaking the nations, and people are asking questions as never before. I've had opportunities to share with people that a year before COVID would have been not interested at all, but now they're open. COVID has changed all of us. It hasn't left anyone where you were a couple years ago. All of us have been shaken up in one way or another. It's time to share Christ as never before. Truly, the door to the ark is open. But the t- this time, it's going to be different. Only eight people got aboard the ark in Noah's time. But in our age, Jesus has promised us the biggest revival ever is still in the future. The ark is going to be full (laughs) but friends still room for you and there's still room for your social circle your frank list your friends relatives acquaintances neighbors co-workers there's room for them welcome aboard